one of the most effective ways for me to pivot in that moment. This this came from Dr. Joseph Murphy, who wrote The Power of the Subconscious Mind, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the book. And he he's he's he basically talked about being very stern with that voice. And I used to do a few different things, but this is the new one. I cut the head off the snake right away. So when that thought comes in, I don't give it compassion. I don't give it love. And it's not because, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll explain why I do this. But when the thoughts come in, when th- something's going well, it's usually when I'm feeling joy and things are rolling, when it wants to come in and go, yeah, but for how long? Yeah, but now what are you going to have to do next? What, what do you, you're going to have to do even more and burn out. You're going to have to, I just go, fuck this. And I chop the head off. I go, not today. Fuck off. Like I, I talk to it like that now. And it's, it's not like I'm talking to my inner child like that. It's just the thoughts itself because I know it's such an illusion or it's such an old program or it's such an old pattern. It just doesn't deserve my energy versus let's say when I get a trigger or I feel a wound, like I'm, 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 I feel like I'm really good at distinguishing what's a, what's a wound surfacing, to, you know, coming up and, and a trigger from something older. Then I will yeah. let's just let's roll. Let's let's just get it going. All right, bro. So we were just popping off. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just hit record and let's just let's just send it a little bit. So um, we were talking about imposter syndrome, and I'm yeah, and something I've struggled with. Not a lot of people know that probably, but what were you saying? Just continue. Yeah, just you know, in the in the five or so years, five and a half or or so years of doing this this work as a hypnotherapist and coach and. And thousands of hours of, you know, guiding people into the depths of their subconscious, there's, there's this, been this consistent theme. And, you know, one of my goals, and I th- think for a lot of people who are coaching and, and, and doing this type of inner work or guiding this inner work is, is, is to help people realize just how much of a badass they are, just how capable they are in, in wanting to achieve what they want to achieve. And I've just been feeling and seeing over the years this consistent theme of like, oof, like feeling like a fraud, this imposter syndrome, which a lot of us have heard about. And I was like, fuck, like what, what is this? And I realized that imposter syndrome basically comes down to self-worth. Like so many of us just as we start moving towards our purpose or our path or whatever label you want to throw on this thing. You know, we all start to evolve and start to, we start listening and awakening to this inner guidance that there's more, that there's more, that we are meant to do this or meant to do that or leave the matrix or leave, you know, this, whatever it is. And as soon as we start to move towards this, that's when we start to feel the most around a resistance. And that's where that imposter syndrome comes in. And, and I was like, well, what is this? And to me, what I've seen is, it's your self-worth. And what is your self-worth? Your self-worth is your, basically your ceiling of receiving. So whatever you feel you are actually worthy of is what you're going to be able to naturally allow in to your experience. And if you don't feel worthy of a million dollars, guess what? You're probably not going to allow a million dollars to come into your experience. If you don't feel like you're worthy of being the writer that you want to be, there's a very good chance that you're going to sabotage it in a way or your, your, your belief system is going to um, prove you're right, you know? So I just, I just had this, I, I did this free webinar I was telling you about on imposter syndrome and, and, and kind of what to look for and what it looks like in most people. And yeah, that evolved into a masterclass I launched last week 
uh, a two hour event where I did some embodiment work with that, not only, you know, teaching some of this, the, the, um, concepts and, and pieces of wisdom and knowledge, I guess, that I've accumulated over the years, but I wanted to embody that. And that's where I started to, you know, allow my, my gifts as a, as a, as a, I guess you'd call a, a guide to take over. So yeah, man, that imposter syndrome, I, I'm sure, like you said, you've, you've had this, uh, you feel so lit up about something, you start moving towards it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, you'll never be that. You'll never be this. You're not that person. You're not. It you'll still never be comes able- up sometimes. Yeah, I think man. That, that's what also people don't realize is that you can learn to overcome it, but yet it seems like it's calm when there's nothing happening. And then yeah. you take that next step. Like I just launched something and um, I felt it come back up, but I, I don't normally ever feel that. And all of a sudden, there are those thoughts that um, I'm not this. I'm not good enough at this. This isn't. Mm-hmm. This isn't it. And they just kind of show up. And what I've learned from the years is that it's okay for them to be there, but they don't oh, yeah. have to be the truth, you know. And you can just tap into that energy that's beyond those thoughts. And so it's not necessarily trying to get rid of them or no. even be afraid of them. It's just learning no. that they're not true, you know. You, you nailed it, and. You absolutely nailed it. And and the first key to any type of breaking these chains or patterns of negative thought is awareness, right? It's it being able to zoom out and go, oh, wait, there they are. Okay, I see them. I, I recognize these thoughts. I recognize this pattern. I recognize the feeling in my body when I allow it to gain momentum. As soon as you, as soon as you have that awareness, you, you, you basically have stopped the momentum, right? You're, you're able to kind of take horsepower out of the engine there or take the gas out of it. But what do you do from there? Because so many people ask me, and I'm sure you've been asked this too, how do you stop negative thoughts? You're not. <laughs> You're not going to stop these. But you can get really damn good at pivoting. And that's that's what I've that's what I've been able to really do well or, or really been able to achieve over the last little while, especially these last three months for me, is how fast can I pivot in the moment when this fucking snake comes in? And one of the most effective ways for me to pivot in that moment. This this came from Dr. Joseph Murphy, who wrote The Power of the Subconscious Mind, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the book. And he he's he's he basically talked about being very stern with that voice. And I used to do a few different things, but this is the new one. I cut the head off the snake right away. So when that thought comes in, I don't give it compassion. I don't give it love. And it's not because and, and I'll and I'll and I'll explain why I do this. But when the thoughts come in, when th- something's going well, it's usually when I'm feeling joy and things are rolling, when it wants to come in and go, yeah, but for how long? Yeah, but now what are you going to have to do next? What, what are you, you're going to have to do even more and burn out. You're going to have to. I just go, fuck this. And I chop the head off. I go, not today. Fuck off. Like, I, I talk to it like that now. And it's, it's not like I'm talking to my inner child like that. It's just the thoughts itself because I know it's such an illusion or it's such an old program or it's such an old pattern. It just doesn't deserve my energy versus let's say when I get a trigger or I feel a wound, like I'm, 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 I feel like I'm really good at distinguishing what's a, what's a wound surfacing, to, you know, coming up and, and a trigger from something older. Then I will give the time to, to really just be in my body and, I, and I'll allow it to go, okay. You know, I love you and I'll, and I'll be a lot more compassionate because I know it comes from a deeper place or a younger version of me. But when it comes to just thoughts wanting to come in and kind of r- r- hijack my day, pfft, I take the cleaver out, man. Boom. Do you think they're connected? The Sometimes, thoughts and the wounds or not? Or are they just subconscious combinations? I think, 
And like I said, I feel like I know the difference between when they are and when they're not. Because how do you do that? I don't that's know. A yeah, I don't know <laughs> if it's a secret. I think it's just that I think that's why it's so important to, to you know, to, to stay on your pillars spiritually or, you know, whatever you do every day to f- come back to center and, and connect to to your inner being, whatever that's if that's through meditation or your walk with the trees. But whatever your pillars are to make sure you're consistently coming home that builds that awareness of what is what and what is real and what is fake, what is illusion, what is truth. So I, f- I think it just comes with time continuously checking in on your, with yourself. And then so that when those things come up, you're like, Oh, this is a wound. This, this is actually unworthiness coming up here. This is, this is actually pain from, and you might not know exactly where it's coming from because we very rarely go right to the memory or that moment when it came into existence. But it's a vibration for me. I'm a really big feeler. And that's something I think I struggled with for most of my life. And now I'm starting to fine tune and go, Ooh, this, this empath thing or the sensitivity part of me, this real sensitive part of me is a fucking superpower. So, How do you turn yeah. from a superpower into a superpower versus traditional masculinity? A lot of times mm. it'll be hyper in the sense that you just need to be stoic. And you don't need to feel anything and you just need to be hard. Get hard, yeah. son. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if I've ever I've been so sensitive my whole damn life that I well, that's a big part that there's a big wound there too. That that was a lot of the work I've been doing late lately is on them on my masculine. Because I was surrounded by that. That stoic type suck. I didn't, they didn't tell me to suck it up, but they, they never talked about stuff. When I felt something, it, dad wasn't there and going, well, let's talk about this. Let's feel this out. And it was just like, both my parents were kind of like, oh, I don't know. I mean, you're, you'll be fine. You're good. You know, <laughs> but I always felt so deeply that I could never, even when I tried to ignore it, I don't think I could ever do it. So, um, how do you turn it into superpower, man, embracing that part of you? Because I know how confusing it can be for a lot of people. Like, um, like for me being a guy in, in, in that environment where no man in my, no man in my, in my, in my environment ever felt feelings or allowed themselves to be, to feel. And so I was always like, fuck, why am I feeling like this? Why am I crying after winning a baseball tournament for the other team that lost? (laughs) Why am I, like those deep emotions, like I'd take it all on and be like, why? So I was very confused as a, as a kid when it came to the emotional part. Yeah. Um, I don't think that answered your question, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, it, it lends some insight into, yeah. it, it did, I think, answer the question that just trying to understand why we experience in our society this tendency i I mean i think it comes from survival mechanisms because if a man was too emotional he might die to an alligator Mm -hmm. you know and so i think it's deep rooted in the subconscious and the superconscious of humanity Mm -hmm. that there are times where we need to be this way and that way but i think that that has kind of been over sensationalized into that being your whole life Versus just certain such certain situations where you might need to turn that off and just go to work, or you might need to do the things that you need to do, and so I just think there's that subtle balance. 
you know. Of, oh yeah, you can turn yeah, things no. on, turn it on, turn it off. Yeah, and I and I think I look at my, uh, you know, ev- evolution into um, manhood, whatever that is. But uh, I realized like um, I needed to also turn on that more masculine energy where I I felt for so long like I wasn't man enough through my my teens, my twenties into my thirties. And that's related to a few different things. I believe like there's still some anger with dad that I haven't fully resolved. Like I felt like dad should have been there for me in different ways that he wasn't. And I think most of a lot of us feel a certain way around our parents. Yeah. And, and uh, so that father wound is very, um, is still kind of there and hovering. Um, you know, dad should have did this for me. Dad should have showed me how to do this. So that I didn't look like a fool here. You know, why didn't I know how to read a tape measure at 18 years old? Why, why wasn't I taught that? And then go frame houses with a, with, with a bunch of friends and be the only idiot that doesn't know how to read a tape measure. You know, why, why haven't, wasn't I, why did I only change the oil in my car for the first time when I was 36 years old? You know, like these are, these are to me, like I grew up on a farm and there's like, you see, this is, there's these pieces right here surfacing right now. And I'm like, I can go on a little bit of a tear if I wanted to. Cause that those pieces of me that are still not, I haven't fully allowed myself to forgive are still alive. And so through my life, and these aren't only things, there's some major trauma there too, not with dad, but major trauma in my childhood also that just made me, I wasn't man enough, dude. Like I was not a man enough for, for most things. And so I wasn't the mechanic guy. I wasn't the friend who knew how to fix things. Cause I was never taught, you know, not that I couldn't do it. I was never taught. And so there's some, <clears throat> there's some anger there. And then, so when I came into my own, I started my family and I'm on my own in, in the world. I still struggled with being, am I enough to, to support a family? Am I strong enough to be the leader when it counts? And a lot of my wounds, I, I would see holes, like little little holes in my in my life where I would avoid taking financial responsibility for myself. Meaning, like looking at my bills, looking at what's coming in versus what's going out. I would have this fear, <gasps> and so I would push it to my wife, and and my wife would take it on and be like, "Okay, it's safer there. I don't have to step into my masculine." But I didn't didn't know these things at the time. Until I started diving deeper into this. So there's that balance and I never really quite had it. But right now in my life, I'm like, I feel so fucking solid in who I am as a man. Like in my body, I feel safe. I feel strong. I feel capable. I feel excited. But it took a lot of work. So you talked about where your trauma came from. Yeah. We talked about we started with imposter and then now you're saying fast forward. Yeah. I feel like that middle part, the, the part that we didn't talk about, that got that's where I feel like I want to go. Yeah, let's how go did there. You, how did you get from feeling these things to now being the leader? You know, in groups and workshops and everything you do yeah. online and for your family. Like, what was that yeah. transition point for you? God, you know, is probably I started drinking at like fourteen and fourteen, fifteen, and. Uh, it just kind of got out of hand from there, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, into my 20s, into my early 30s. Um, I was just really, I would just escape at every opportunity I, I could. Like, my identity was wrapped into the party guy and the guy the guy that everybody wanted to hang out with. And and uh, 
So like, I never understood it really at the time. I just thought I loved that. I was like, you know, when I was 25, 26, 27, even into 28, you would have never convinced me that I would stop drinking or partying. Like that was me. I'm the guy. Like, anybody wants to go party, just call Joey. Like, fuck, he's down. Like, and I would identify, like, that was me. But that was because I had such low self-esteem and such little self-worth that I needed to be whoever anybody wanted me to be. And that, for me, which got me the love and attention and 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 be feeling appreciated was when I went out and I was life of the party. I was like, let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's get into a bar fight. Let's Let's do all this shit. I'm in. And it took, you know, depression hit me at 21 for the first time. And God, it rocked me. And, and then from there, it just kept, kept getting worse. It kind of just, it was a roller coaster for a long time. And then, uh, you know, I, I worked 10 years in a prison as a correctional officer for 10 years. So can add sprinkle some more trauma in there, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff. And I hit rock bottom at, you know, 30, I don't know, was I 32 or something like that? Um, and then an NDE to go along with it, you know, a little car accident thrown into the mix. And it was just like years of just this blur of escaping somehow, some way, whether it was porn, whether it was chasing women, whether it was sex, whether it was drugs or alcohol, uh, adrenaline, like there was always a way for me to go find some, some love. To me, that was love. Like that made me feel loved, whether it was accepted or being desired or being the guy that everybody wanted to party with. Um, there was always a way. And then I hit rock bottom and then hit that moment, that night, dark, first dark night of the soul. And then it kind of brought me out of here. But there's a lot in that middle stage. That's just the Coles Notes version of that. <laughs> so what was the long NDE short, like? Or short story long. <laughs> so this NDE... I know when people say NDEs, it's supposed to be this big dramatic story and it was kind of dramatic, but it wasn't like I was ripped from my body and I seen the light and anything like that. It, it was in the middle of my darkest time and I was just about to come out of it. I could, I could feel there was some breakthrough happening, but we, I went ice fishing with some friends. Canadian we ice fish we do a lot of that kind of stuff and we're we're driving to this beautiful part of the country in Lake of the Woods in Ontario and my 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 buddy's driving my other buddy's riding shotgun I'm in the back behind the driver and my brother uh is right beside me and we're tired after a long day we probably drank all day on the ice too to be honest I don't I don't really quite remember but we're all tired it's dark we load all the gear there's hundreds of pounds of gear load it all on the truck Pass out in the truck. I don't even put my seatbelt on. My brother doesn't put his seatbelt on either. We're just wiped and we both fall asleep in the back. And we're driving on the highway doing about 60, 65, pulling a trailer, two snowmobiles. And I just hear, oh, fuck. And I wake up and we're just doing 360s on, on, on the highway. Like we're just spinning out. We hit black ice. And I just remember grabbing the front seat and looking over and my brother's looking at me with like, massive eyes and i'm like this is it i'm like there's no way like it's it's as slow motion as you could even comprehend like everything slowed down but i had enough time to think of this is it i have two young babies at home how like there's no way this is it and i'm like i'm a little choked up thinking about just that that moment and how clear it was and my car went my our vehicle went into the ditch doing 60 
trailer got uh, tossed. The snowmobiles got tossed off the trailer. They rolled, and but we we were all we all came out of it fine, like not a scratch. There was enough snow in the ditch to to take the impact, and we were all okay. And I was just like, holy shit! But that was enough to you know to shake me to my core. The next morning, I woke up and. I go to throw my gym shoes on because I had a little gym in the in the garage where I lived. And I was like, I need to go get a workout in. And I look at in the in my shoe, my, my my training shoes, and there's a dime in the heel. Dime didn't mean anything to me, but as soon as I'd seen the dime, I go back to my mom telling me. Uh, my grandma had passed like three or four years prior to that, and my mom always says, "My mom keeps leaving me dimes." Every time I see a dime, I know it's my mom. And I'm like, okay, mom. Like, I have nowhere anywhere in a spiritual space when my mom told me that story. I'm like, okay, mom. And then there's this dime in the heel of my shoe looking like right at me. And I knew. Like, I got chills on my body in that moment. And I knew my grandma either was there or she, you know, guided the vehicle in or helped us make sure that we were okay. Whether it's guardian angel, call it what you want. But that moment was like, holy shit. I got another chance. I know this is my time to like call myself on my bullshit because that's a part of the awakening that a lot of people don't want to do is look at the shit that you're bringing into your experience that is causing a lot of this suffering. And uh, that was the day I decided like, okay, I'm going to look into some books. I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to get into a whole new, a whole new rhythm of, of life. And uh, I made the biggest changes in my life that morning. Wow. So from that point on, yeah. When was the transition into the kind of awakened sense, the whatever you want to call it, spiritual, uh, you know, what you're doing now? Because what you're doing now is obviously vastly different. So how did yeah. that happen? Well, there's there's a there's a lot there. And even in the like let's say months to year before the accident, there was a few moments that I had of pure surrender. And these are, I call them my moments with God. And uh, trust me, the word God, I, w- I wouldn't even have fucking, wouldn't, you'd never catch that out of my mouth five, six years ago. Like I had such a, you know, thing with that word. But I had these moments with God when I was in the deepest, darkest parts of my my depression and, and dark night. One morning I was, my daughter had just been born. And I was in it, man. Like I'd be waking up in the middle of the night, bawling, shaking, anxiety, sweating. This, this one morning I wake up, I hadn't slept. I'm like this, I'm like, whatever. I just got to go out for a walk. I think it was January, but it was a really nice winter day in, in where we, where we lived. No wind, sun was shining, bluebird skies. And I'm like, I'm taking my daughter for a walk. She was like maybe three, four months at the time. Get her in her stroller. I throw my phone in my pocket. I throw some like Zen meditative type music on. I don't, I can't remember the playlist. And I just start walking down this gravel road where I lived. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking, it's like my, my blinking slowed down. My head, my whole body slowed down and everything just kind of went. And I felt like I was on mushrooms. I felt like I was on something. And I was like, what is happening? And it was the only way to explain it is, is I was perfectly in tune with every snowflake, with every blade of grass blowing in the breeze in the in the ditches beside me. I looked at the trees and I could like 
zoom into like every intricate detail in the bark on the smallest of branches. And for about 12 to 15 minutes straight, the whole world stopped. I could feel every ray of sunshine. I could feel every particle of snow being on my face as it snowed. Like it was the most surreal moment of my life, not being on any type of substance. And I, I just cried and I cried and I cried and I fucking cried. And it was just like, it felt like liters of tears rolling down my face. I'm with my daughter, this perfect little human. And I'm in the depths of my deepest, darkest times, but everything stopped. And I was, it was a moment with God. I felt just one with every single piece of everything around me from the, you know, from the gravel to the snow, to the sky, to the birds and everything I could pick up on. I could feel, I could hear, I could smell all at once. And I was like, okay, I got this. I'm fine. Like I know everything's okay. And that was my first moment of going like, okay, like there's way more going on here than, than just my pain and suffering. Like I got to keep moving. And then I had another moment quite just like that. And these were moments of surrender. These were moments of like basically throwing myself, myself on, on, on my knees and just being like, I got nothing left. To f I'm not fighting anymore. What do you got? Give me something, you know? How many of us think we're like, oh, I'm surrendering. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fully surrendered to like, no, we're not. We're fighting 99% of it, right? <laughs> but those moments, usually that come with these dark nights and these really, this really dark pit that you're in. You have those moments of full surrender. And when you have those moments of full surrender, you can tune into forces and, and energy and love that is, is really uncomprehendable for the, for the most part. So I had a couple moments like that. And uh, also, you know, I responded to a couple murders in the, in the jail. So like there was some actual like really dark stuff that happened while I was on shift. Um, lots of violence. So I got to see the really dark side of the world, <laughs> like really immerse myself in probably the darkest environment you can on this planet versus a war zone. You know, like, I mean, there are darker places or places as, as dark, but when it comes to, you know, in my world, the prison was about as, as dense and heavy of an environment I could ever be involved in. But I think it was all designed in order for me to truly understand that type of pain and energy to be able to lead people into that the depths of their pain and abuse and, and suffering. So yeah, there's so many things that led up to me being where I'm at, where I'm able to really help people and guide people um, in, in releasing that density. Hey, if you want to help keep the podcast interest free of others, because we are completely crowdfunded and supported here so we can say whatever we want, Consider supporting the podcast by getting yourself a nice piece of clothes, maybe a hoodie like this one. This one says one step at a time if you can't see me. I love this design. But we've got a whole bunch of designs on the premise of high-quality clothing that is not a bunch of BS in it to cut costs to, in order to make more money, which is what so many clothing companies do, in combination with a deeper meaning associated with each piece of clothing. So if this interests you, you want to support the podcast, I appreciate any and every 
bit of support. It means so much to me. You can get yourself a piece of Universe the Game clothing at universethegame.store, or the link will be in the show notes or description down below. Hmm. Wow. So you're talking about God. Now I got to know. I always wonder when people say God, what's your relationship with that word? How does it, how do you feel when you say that? Is it, what is God to you? God is the collective. It's it's what we are. It's who we are at the same time as what all is. Um, God to me is the consciousness of everything. It's, it's, I believe that we are all God being, you know, um, expressed in physical form. I think it is us. I think it is everything. It is all. I, I don't know if I ever have a very good explanation of it or definition of it, but I just know there's more. And those experiences you have, like, it's too easy to say it's not a, a man in the sky. It's not this 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 entity or energy that's going to punish you for doing this or that. It's not what I grew up believing in the Catholic church when I was raised in at all. Well, not at all. I think at, to the, at the core essence of it, it is, but it's, you know, it's not this, this, this energy that's going to damn you for sinning. It's um, the word God was such a tough one for me for so fucking long, man. Like even like talking about Jesus was like, mm, get out of here. <laughs> like We're not doing this. Well, that's a lot of stuff that just happened through being raised in the church and seeing some of that shit and being raised in that shit and knowing what some of the stuff that happened to my ancestors and some of my family members in the church. And But now God is just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's such a, it, it makes my heart feel this big when I, when I talk about God now. Hmm. Yeah. So, that's what I was curious if you had a specific religious connotation to God or if it was something no. beyond that. It's much beyond that, much more beyond that. I, th I think that every religion at the, at, at the basis of it all, I think at the beginning of all religion is all the same thing. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe in angels and I believe in guides and I believe in aliens and I believe in, you know, all these different energies and beings, but I, I and I believe it's all just wrapped into one. But there's no religion that really pulls me in more than the rest. I, I respect all religion to a certain extent, and I understand it. Um, but I think it all, you know, when you wipe out all the bullshit and all the politics and all the power and all the greed, I think we all come back to the same exact thing. It's so, yeah. So you see the world now mm -hmm. and people's relationship with reality and you know where you've come from moving into the space again where you lead people so were there any specific practices or kind of tools or modalities that really stuck out to you along your journey maybe you used at some point maybe you don't now maybe even something daily that you use i'm just curious as to practically because i remember what you said was um you know what are, oh, i don't know exactly how you worded it but it was what are we doing now? So, yeah, anything to stick out? Yeah, like are you talk about like my journey going, getting to this point, like any, is that what you mean by the, any of the tools I use? Yeah, for, for me, you know, meditation was the the start of it all for me. And also psychedelics, like having having these moments with psilocybin and, and even LSD, mostly with, with mushrooms, um, were big, big catalysts for me. But 
meditation was always this weird thing for me when I started. It's like, ah, I'm not this guru. I'm not this Buddhist monk. I don't meditation. Like, what does that even mean? And I've come to the realization that meditation is different for everyone. There's a thousand different ways to do it. But in the end, it's about being able to quiet your, your conscious mind enough to feel and tap in and connect to that inner being. And once you have an experience like that, there's no going back. There's no going back. And I think with psychedelics, it's a little easier to go back because it's like, oh, it's the drugs. But it's, it's you know, you can easily just go, oh, it's a really cool trip. But let's go back into the matrix because it's not, I don't, I'm not on the drugs anymore. But you can, you can duplicate or replicate these types of experiences on your own. And I remember having these few experiences. And it was as simple as uh, I read, what was the book, um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And, I, and, and he ex, just he had just explained presence to me in a way that I had never ex, understood. I was 28 years old. I remember reading this book. I'm in Honduras. I'm on this backpacking trip. And uh, I was struggling with and my friends like, just read this book. And I think the first two, three chapters, he explained presence and what that meant and just being in your body. I had never been in my body. I'd have been in my head the whole time, my whole life. I'm just in my head trying to think and figure things out and beat myself up and blah, blah, blah. And I remember him talking about this one thing that I still use and I teach my clients all the time is when you have an emotion surface in the body, when you have a feeling, a trigger, if you are able to release the story and the label that you put on it and just give it full presence, just feeling what's coming up, like just the physical sensation, if you can release the story and the label that you put on it and just feel that sensation, it will go away within seconds. Within seconds. And that moment, it happened in the bed. I was there reading. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. And I had some anxiety or some anger. I can't remember. And I was like, oh, this is no good. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's me labeling it. Oh, that's the story. I'm like, let's just breathe with it. I remember breathing with this anxiety going, there it is. You're the, you're the observer in that moment. And all of a sudden, it was just like, peace, quiet, gone. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this is usually like a, we're usually going for 25, 30 minutes before I get distracted and I, I don't think about it anymore. And then it might go away. But usually I'm just in this and I'm feeling it and it goes on and on. Well, it's because it's the story we keep saying. It's the label we put to it. And we continue fueling the feeling. And that moment was like really big for me. And that's when I started to really meditate. And so meditation, it's finding that the way for you to connect to the silence and that peacefulness and you have to find that way for you. And for me, it was binaural beats. I put like a timer for like 20 minutes and I put some real cool binaural beats, deep drumming music, always really resonated with me, deep like tones. And I would just breathe and just focus on it. And I remember just kind of drifting away and drifting away, drifting away. And I'm like, holy shit, my mind does stop. And that was the kind of the first kind of moments for me. And I was like, this is important. I remember doing that for the first time, getting to the jail. I was like, guys, I got the secrets of the universe. You have no idea. Oh my God. Your, your, your anxiety is gone. You just got to do this here. Read this book, do this, do that. And everybody's like, no, fuck off. Like, you know, like, no, you don't understand. You don't get it. This is freedom. And, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people end up going down that road when they start to have that finally some ease from their suffering. Right. And, uh, so that was, that was big for me. And then, honestly, hypnosis work, that the work that I got to do while training to be a hypnotherapist healed so many layers in such a short amount of time 
that it truly, truly changed my life within, you know, weeks. And, and, uh, it also allowed me to see like my, my pain was rooted in a lot deeper places. There's, you know, we very rarely know the actual root of our, our suffering. We might have a moment that we remember that triggered it, but the roots are so often so much deeper than we can see. And for me, there was a lot of moments that I never thought were a big deal that were a big fucking deal for me. Really big. And it takes that deeper state of con. Like you got to go deeper below the surface to, to truly heal, in my opinion. Um, to rip that root out, to change the story, to bring the new awareness to that time. Um, and that's what I see every single day. Like I have people that have been in counseling for 10 years. And within one session, that problem that they've had is, is literally gone. Because we go to deep, we go deeper. It's like, oh, it's, it starts here. It's, it's dad. It's here. It's like, no, it might not be. Let's go see. And we use this, this few different techniques to go deeper and kind of do and kind of keep going and going and going till we find what they call the initial sensitizing event, which is the root cause of the issue. And we change the story there. We talk to the inner child. We do the, we release the emotion attached to it. And as soon as that story changes at that level, the conscious and subconscious get on the same, same page. And that's when the resistance stops to what's naturally trying to come to you through the, you know, through the, the, the stars. Hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Hypnosis. Most people, I think, Hypnosis. are thinking of, okay, you're talking about the guy in high school that came up and tried to, right. some kids, right? Yeah. Tried to snap some mm -hmm. kids to sleep. So mm -hmm. what do you mean by hypnosis? Like, Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, hypnosis is pretty simplifying it. It's just different techniques that, like when I use hypnosis, we just use different inductions. It's basically a way to confuse the conscious mind to disconnect. And when I mean disconnect, it's not going, you know, lose your conscious mind. But, um, you know, we're in a state of hypnosis throughout the day. When we go to sleep at night, when we, just as we're falling asleep, we end up in that theta state. Theta is hypnosis. We, we naturally drift into hypnosis no matter what when we fall asleep and as we're waking up. These are natural states that we're in all the time. But, with, but when I use hypnosis, it's on purpose. We use different inductions. And basically, like I said, we're just confusing the conscious mind because the conscious mind can't focus on more than one thing at a time. It can go back and forth really quickly. But when you use these special techniques, we kind of go monkey brain. We're going to go over here for a little while, chill out. And we're going to go into the system. We're going to go into the hard drive here. Let's find out where this pain is rooted. Let's go find out. And it's not this state where you're out of control and I'm just going to go in and start, you know, picking apart. You're, you're always in control. And um, there's always some anxiety in the first session. But within the first session, by the time the first session is done, they start to understand, oh, it wasn't at all what I thought. It's not this, I'm going to go dig in and deep, you know, dig up my deepest, darkest secrets. And I'm just going to start talking uncontrollably. Not at all. But it does allow us to go down through the layers. And when the client is comfortable, and it does take some time, some time with some people, we can start pulling up, like I said, the root. I keep calling the root, but it, it is what it is. Um, it allows us to go past the defense mechanisms that we've put up because the subconscious does one thing really, really well. And that's to protect, protect you emotionally. And so a lot of times it represses memory. It just keeps shit locked the fuck down. And that's great to keep you moving in life and keep you, you know, it's a, it keeps you alive. You know, it, there's comes a time where you need to just lock that down so you can survive and get to work and eat and, you know, do what you need to do for your family. But if that, 
wound doesn't get addressed properly, and this isn't everyone, but for a lot of people, it can manifest in addiction. It can manifest in a lot of unworthiness and can manifest in a lot of toxic behavior that you don't want to be part of. But that's usually because there's emotion that's trapped in the body that hasn't been allowed to move. And there's a version of you that doesn't feel safe. There's a version of you that doesn't feel worthy. There's a version of you that, and that subconscious will win every single time, you know. You know, it's 95 to 99% of the mind, depending who you ask, who you talk to. So my goal is to just bring the conscious subconscious together. Because when you have the two things firing on the same team and not contradicting each other and pulling one way, that's when manifestation happens. That's when true like creation happens because you have all these pieces home at the heart. Not one going here in unworthiness, one here in trauma and wounding, one here in just fucking being pulled both ways. You have every, you kind of gather all those wounded pieces. You bring them home. You, you love them. You show them that they're okay, that they're safe, that they're worthy. And then that, when that happens, it's like all the resistance or density dissolves. So I like to think about the subconscious having many rooms. So like there's the room of trauma, the room of conditioning, and they might be kind of similar rooms. And then there's the access to the superconscious or the infinite intelligence, right? Let's say, and the trauma that's unresolved end up being like little patches or blocks of like density that stops this magic from coming in. So Dr. Joseph Murphy talks about every single piece of like every way of healing is within the subconscious. Your body can heal hundred percent. Every, you know, creative idea that you need for this to manifest, it's all naturally trying to come to you. And what I've seen is like every bit of trauma that's not released and fully, you know, worked on that needs to be, or any limiting belief that is anchored in trauma. A lot of the time, if that's there, you're just, it's just resistance to what's naturally trying to be shown to you. Did I explain that properly? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, 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 the hypnosis part is a fast track to the root of it. So we can rip the fucking thing out with love and compassion, show that inner child who was hurt, wounded, assaulted, anything that, that, Hey, I'm here now. I've evolved. Look at me now. Look how strong I am. Look at how much I've learned. I'm going to take the wheel now. Come with me. I got your back. And when that understanding is there, when your inner child feels safe that you're there, when that you're at the fucking helm, that you're stronger than ever. And there's, I mean, there's a bunch of other things you can do around that. It's like the, the emails I get on how fast things change. When you do it, when you go into that deep, deeper level of healing, it's unbelievable. It still blows my mind to this day, but you got to go deeper a lot of the time. That's why talking about your problems just doesn't work. Going deeper. Going deeper. Do you feel and like there are something? Go ahead. Yeah. No, and there are layers to it too. It's not always just one thing. There, there might be different layers to that trauma also. Do you think that's something you can do by yourself? I mean, obviously it's going to be better with someone, but if you had to do, can you do a self-hypnosis? Because yep. a lot of people are big on that too. Yep. Yeah. So yes and no. Uh, I will say yes for the most part. And from someone who I, I feel I'm pretty well versed in, in, in the, those skills and knowing how to even regress myself and put myself into those deeper states, I have done it. 
But there are times, even for myself, and I still use hypnotherapists, friends of mine, to go when I have some wounding that's surfacing and I know needs to, I need to go deeper on, I will ask them because there's a sense of being able to let go of control and where the conscious, when you're in, when you're doing it yourself, you're always kind of, you're kind of taking on two roles. Right. And it, and sometimes it's difficult. Um, I have done some pretty deep work on my own and I'll continue to do deeper work on our own. And I'll never tell people not to do deeper work on your own. Come see me. No, 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 no. The, but there will be times. I feel there are times where it's like, okay, this is heavy. This is deep. I need someone to just hold space for me so I can do the healing part, emotional part while you tell me and guide me because the guide is so important and not all guides are good. I'm going to tell you that, but the, the right guide knows how to ask questions at the right time is intuitively receiving information at the same time and knows how to guide and hold space, take a break, move forward, push when it's ready, to, when you, when you need to push a little bit, because sometimes you need to be pushed past your comfort zone in that healing and by doing it yourself, it just sometimes is more difficult. Okay. Sure. So giving you an example of one I had done myself, I was struggling with um, authenticity at one point. And I'm like, I'm going to do a regression on myself and find out why I'm struggling just being me without this mask and then pretending to be this guy. And, I, and this was like a few years ago. And I had just done all my hypnosis work. And I'm like, I'm going to regress myself. And I was able to do it. And it brought me to a moment in high school or school when I moved from one town to the next. I was walking to school for the first day. And I was walking with my little brother. I was 11 years old. And this is how fast a program can be anchored in, especially when it's in a really, um, when you're in a really um, suggestible state, which is stress. When you're in these moments of like, you're a lot more highly suggestible. And, and I remember walking to school and I'm in this trance. I'm in a trance because like I was in this tunnel vision walking to school. There's like 150 meters to school. All these kids are outside. I'd never been there before, never met anybody. I'm holding my brother's hand. And I remember saying to myself, I'll do fucking anything to be loved or liked. That moment, boom, anchored in this like truth. Like I will do anything to be liked. I was so scared at 11 not to be accepted, to be shunned, to be made fun of, to be this or that, going into this new school, that I created this reality and within my subconscious that I would do anything. So think of that. So when I regressed myself to go find out, it brought me to that moment and to that thought that I anchored into my subconscious, the exact thought saying, I will do anything to be liked. And I was like, holy shit, little did I know parts of my life. I did everything and anything I could to be like, I abandoned myself most of my life just for the sake of another or an opinion. And so that was a moment I was able to regress myself to that moment and change the story. But it wasn't a big moment. I would call it a bigger trauma, like some of the abuse I suffered and some of the, you know, stuff like that. But yes, you can definitely learn to do a lot of that work and get good at it. But there are times where I feel like it's just better to let go and allow that professional to be your guide and hold space for you while you're going into these deep emotional releases. Because when you're in it, 
you're in it. It's breaking down. It's anger. It's sadness at the deepest level. It's uncontrollable, ugly crying because that emotion's finally having space to be released and moved. That's been trying to be, that's been trapped in your body. And so when you have someone guiding you, you have, there's that safety. There's a little bit of, of, of it's not even safety. It's, you're more, you're more confident being able to just do your part while they do theirs. I feel like it's so true because what you were saying about the two roles, if you are trying to do it yourself, it's like you're consciously having to move through, but you're trying to let go yep. of the conscious. Exactly. <laughs> so how do it's you exactly do both that. at the same time? It's exactly that. And, and you can't get better, but I, but I still, I'm still to this day, I, I reach out to the people I trust the most in guiding me because it's just, it gives you that, ah, oh, I don't have to worry about that part or knowing where to go. They know how to ask me those questions and I'll know what to do. And a lot of times too, the other therapist, the other guide will do things differently that I'm not expecting. And when I'm not expecting something, that's usually when magic happens too. Because if I'm expecting myself to go a certain way because I guide this way, I might miss something and they might have something different. They might be downloading something different or intuitively getting something that I wouldn't. So there's beauty in that. So how did you begin to trust someone that deeply? I feel like even in myself, it's difficult. It's difficult to imagine that level of trust. I've never had that done. Just, just so you know, I've never experienced any type of hypno regression in any form. Yep. So, the immediate thing that comes up for me is like, how do I know that I can trust someone else with, you know, m the deepest parts of myself? How do you well, get I past think, that? How did you, you know? Well, I, I think a lot of people, what they do, I think there's a lot, uh, they make some mistakes and they and they go for the shiniest person they can find and the person who has the nicest Instagram. And, you know, really. And, but when it comes to this type of work, I feel you should be able to talk to that person. That's why, like, when I work any of the one on one stuff and people are going to invest that kind of time with me, we get on a call on Zoom and we like, okay, let's, let's feel each other out here. Because if there's an energetic, like, mm, I don't like the way the guy talks, I don't like the way Joey presents himself, I don't feel like his energy is matching, don't hire me. There's a very good chance that we're just not, we're going to struggle and we're going to fight to get to the point where we need to, to find that, that healing and make that thing happen. But I truly believe in soul recognition and, and, and this, uh, that energetic knowing. And most people that work with me, they're like something about, I just know that I need to work with you. That's what I look for. Like, that's one of the most, the coolest things ever. It's like, I don't know what it is. It's your energy. I know it has to be you. I've talked to other people, but it has to be you. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. So I think you should do your research, feel out their social media, see what they're all about. See if you feel like they're being authentic or not. Fe trust your intuition on who's going to guide you. And when you do decide, also have patience because that rapport is great, but it does take time sometimes. I have some clients first session, they're in, they're doing the deepest work. And I have some clients, it takes three to two to three sessions to get to that point where they feel Okay, I can trust them because it's not really them necessarily that needs to trust me. It's their eight-year-old self that needs to trust me. It's their four-year-old self that needs to trust me. It's those pieces of them that need to trust me. So it takes some time and it might take a session of just maybe showing them hypnosis and relaxing them in these states to show them that they're safe. And then second session, we go a little deeper, a little layer. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, I can trust Joy. So it takes time. And there are people that I've been guided to guided with uh, or that have guided me in hypnosis where 
I'm just annoyed with their voice. Like, <laughs> I don't like their voice. Well, then you should probably not do that. So it's, I think you should take your time when it comes to any type of, of, uh, of this type of healing, find the right person that resonates with you and find someone that you feel that could be the right fit for you. To, you know, there's no reason to rush it. Um, but when you find that person, it's so epic because session one is one way and then it gets deeper. Like you find yourself going, being able to release more and more every single time you go in. And that's, and by the time you know you're in session three or four, you're in hypnosis in two seconds and you're able to go deeper into those layers and you're able to be more authentic and vulnerable and give yourself that space to, to release those deep emotions. So yeah, I'd say take your time and find someone that, and that's, that's why that intuition is so important is, is to trust, develop that when it comes to uh, hiring somebody. I think you're right. A lot of people do look for the person who has the most followers or this or that. Mm -hmm. And it makes mm -hmm. them feel like, oh, they're I got the best. legit because yep. people follow them. Yep. I've met some real pieces of shit <laughs> that, had large, yeah, yeah. that had large followings. And it's yep. like people don't realize that some of the most gifted people are doing it in real life. And they're so focused on doing it in real life that they don't learn how to market and to do all this other stuff that maybe some of these other people have. And it's, it's a process because when you're creating online, he is becoming the director, the producer, the video creator, you know, the audio engineer, the editor, yeah. the marketer, the, you know, there's just so many roles that you've got to learn. And, and so what I've recognized is that not everybody has been able to master all of those. And it's not that they're not good, that they might not have a large following. It's that they're more focused on other things. And sometimes I find that the people who have the least amount of followers are the most legit. And it's yeah. so wild to what people what? think. Well, and, and you know, you, you got to look at how the ego is affected by, by popularity and more fame or more followers. Like you and I have both been in this, this world for a while and, you know, I've seen you blow up and, and I, even when I, you know, started to really gain traction, I had to keep myself in check and make sure like, why am I doing this? Is this the same reason I'm doing this now than I was, or is this more for the followers? Is this more for the like, is this... You really have to, that awareness needs to be fucking sharp it's, and even sharper when you start to gain more traction that way. Because, um, you know, there were times in the last two years where I lost, you know, I, I, I forgot about the sacredness of my work. Same. There's sacredness to sharing wisdom and knowledge from your experiences. There's something sacred about it and, and leading people into the depths of their trauma. There's sacredness there and, and I had to really come back a few times and I feel like I'm, I'm on top of it now more than ever. Like I feel really balanced and why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it and, and the, the, the intention behind my work and the intention behind my videos. And, but it's a, it can fuck the ego can be a sneaky snake. You got it. You got to be aware. I had the same thing happen to me uh, there in July I had went full time. I had just released the book and mm -hmm. everything was going great. But then I lost my connection to my why. And yeah. it ended up with me gaining a lot of weight and um, really feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. If I would have just actually went within and really evaluated, you know, for me, 
people's egos usually grow when they gain yeah. followers. But mine got overwhelmed and was like, mm. I can't do this. Mm. So I like, I like did the opposite. I kind of went pulled back and d- went back to the coping mechanisms of food right. because it felt like it was too much. Mm. And so I um I do feel like I'm at the best position like you than I have been in a in my entire online career. I feel really Beautiful. on point. But it was a recognition of how am I interpreting people enjoying what I'm doing. And what is right. that, how is that affecting how I create from then on, you know, mm. versus just being in that centered space of I'm creating this because this is what I feel called to create for why? Right. Well, because I think this is actually genuinely helping people. And that can yeah. be many things. People don't realize that that can be entertainment, but yet that can be informational. Because, you know, with my skits, it's not like direct knowledge, but it's... um. It's indirect, and I think that that can still hold a lot of value. And for a long time, I thought that skits couldn't do that. And that's why I was really deep down like frustrated with my work, because I wasn't enjoying the green screens. And so I was like, but skits aren't good enough. But then I just said, fuck mm. it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And then that for that whole time period, that's when I did the podcast. I'm just like, fuck all this. I'm yep. just going to do the podcast only. Yep. And then I realized, no, I've got something to share. And oh. so I went all the way back and I did the opposite. I set the podcast on hold for a sec and I really evaluated myself. And then I started creating. And then the very first video I created once I came back hit 1.7 million or some sh- fucking crazy thing like that. Yep. And I'm like, I could feel that I was on point when I was making it. And I think that people can feel that when you make yeah. videos. You know? Yeah. Well, I think you nailed something so important is to really trust what you're being pulled to do, even if it doesn't make sense to your mind, like to this. And, uh, you know, for a while now, like I've been the hypnotherapist, I've been the hypnotherapist, I'm the hypnotherapist, I'm the hip, that's all I do. I, I'm not a coach. I'm not, I'm not really a, I don't have all this knowledge. I, I remember even comparing myself to you. I'm like, ah, Nick's so, there's so much depth to Nick. He knows so much. I'm like, ah, and, and I'm like, wait, I know, I know a lot too. And, and so even with this masterclass, I've done a couple now. I did one on self-hypnosis and now one on imposter syndrome. It was a battle because I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm a hypnotherapist. And I'm like, whoa, where the fuck is that coming from? I'm a teacher. I'm, I love teaching. And I actually, every time I go live on TikTok, I'm not just leading meditation. I'm teaching all the stuff that, I've, that yeah. I've gained along the way. And I'm like, wait. And all these people are like, Joey, you're a great teacher. What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. So I had to own it. And that was some more imposter syndrome there. And it's like, wait, I get so lit up sharing this information that's helped me. I don't share information that I think is really cool. And I, I, you know, there's some of that, but most of it is just like, this has helped me, my clients and other friends of mine embrace more joy in their life. And I think that's such a fucking cool thing. And I'm like, wait, why am I done teaching this? I'm like, oh, and I did this masterclass and it was a great success. And I had a lot of people sign up and and I bundled some other recordings in it. And I was like, it was a really cool moment for me. I was like, and it lit me up. And so now, you know, I'm shifting things from being just the hypnotherapy program that I run to six month, 12 months programs of, of coaching and healing. Like I got way more more to offer. I just wasn't owning it. And I remember you talking about your skits and how much it, I remember you, when you just started talking about starting skits again, or really embodying that and how fire lit up, I saw you and you're like, man, I'm just going to have fun with this. 
it's what I want to do. It's having fun. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. And then you did it. Like, like that's, we forget, like we're supposed to have fun doing this too. Yeah. And you were talking about sharing information that you think is cool. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> is just yeah. share information that I think is cool. But it's also, yeah. it's, it's, that's also been a journey for me because for a long time I thought I needed to only share information that was making a practical difference. And I didn't realize yeah. how, if someone learned about the story of the fucking, where is it? Of the right, right behind me here. I've got, I'm trying not to run over my dog. I'm just going to drink out of my ridiculous bottle for that. <laughs> You've been seeing me doing that the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm doing the 75 hard challenge for the last three weeks. Have you heard of that? 75 yeah. hard. Yeah. So I'm doing that. So the gallon of water, it's like everywhere I go. And yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I've been, I lost about 11 pounds in three and a half weeks doing nice. this. Uh, it's called leptin, uh, the leptin prescription to reset your leptin levels in your body. And uh, so it's kind of like a version of keto. Cool. And um, I feel really, really good on it. So I've been in ketosis for like a long time. I'm not going to do it for forever, but it's, it's timing your body's ability to be sensitive to leptin with the circadian rhythm in the sun. Mm. And so doing that with specific eating times and being out in the sun, plus what you're eating it's wild. So I would recommend Love people it. explore that. Um, yeah. But so what I was saying was that I didn't used to see the practical application. It's ironic because I haven't done a video about this book yet, but this is one book that I know I'm going to do many videos on. And it's the Bhagavad Gita. And I didn't see the value of, wait, this is a story this isn't just directly telling you what I think reality is. And I started to actually research, wait, why are over this, so many centuries are people talking in stories? Like this whole entire thing is a story. And why is this one of the most holy and sacred books? It's because people love metaphors and stories and that we actually really learn through that Sometimes people can say, and I would say even more than somebody directly telling me what reality is about, depending on the topic. But sure, sure. You know, the Bible's got metaphors, stories. Oh, yeah. This has it. It's, it's like something in the human psyche. Stories speak to it. And I was really afraid to, to embrace that because I thought I needed to practically help people. But I realized that this helps people just as much, just in a different way. But it allows me to do something that I've wanted to do for a long time, which is express the the funny side that I've never really been able to put into some sort of teaching video. If for you, it was like you're becoming the teacher. It was like, for me, becoming like a teacher and a storyteller mm. and a video creator mm. and like balancing n- not being stuck only teaching because people knew me as what you're saying. Right. I'm only the teacher, yeah. you know? And so... It w- it's interesting how we both kind of had the same transformation, just in a little bit of a different way, where we're stepping into something that we're really passionate about, you know? I love it so much. And, you know, you talk about metaphors, and I find it really interesting because when I... So, what a lot of people don't know, I don't think, is that the amount of times we use... So, I use a technique called the... Um, well, let's just call it going to the root cause. You know? And a lot of times, I'll just ask the soul... Where do we need to go? Where's the origin of this wound? Where's the origin of this, what's coming up right now? 
And it always knows. The soul always knows. And th this is maybe a way that I do my, my guided, my hypnosis, my regressions a little differently. Um, is I ask the soul. And the amount of times we will go into a past or alternate lifetime is tremendous. And it's really, especially the last, I'd say, year and a half for me, two years with my clients. And with some people that I work with, there's not this belief of past lives or alternate lives. They just don't believe in it. So I said, okay, well, and, but they're having the experience. They're seeing it. They're, have, they're in this memory of, or this story that's happening for them. And the emotions are very real. They're all coming up. Everything. She said, I don't, this doesn't make sense. This isn't me. I'm a girl or I'm a, I'm a young man. This isn't, I'm like, what if it's just a metaphor? What if it's just a story? Let's watch it as a movie and let's see what happens. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden it takes away that, the, the belief that this could be real or not. And, it, and it's a metaphor. It's just like the story you're talking about. And it takes the seriousness from it. But the, the result is the fucking same. The healing happens the exact same way. Just like you just said, the knowledge gets dropped in the exact same way, but it almost takes this, this seriousness away from it and that they have to believe it has to be this or that, or it's a, so it's a, it's a metaphor. So let's see what kind of metaphors are coming up here and let's see what kind of dots we can connect. And every single time it's just like, what just happened? And they get it. It's there. It's dropped in. The healing's done, even though it was a story and a metaphor. Maybe your subconscious was just showing it you this way so you can get the healing you needed around it. Fine. Cool. Done. So it's, I find it really interesting that you, you, you're saying this part about, uh, about, you know, the storytelling and in the past lives, how that works also. That's something I got to guide you. I got to buy, I got to guide you into a, a past life regression, dude. <laughs> Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> it's been fun. Thanks uh, for coming. See you later, folks. We're good. <laughs> no, but uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm down to try. Yeah. I'm down to try. Yeah. You know, I don't Just, know anyone else I would do it with because I really thanks. feel like I don't really trust anybody else. <laughs> That's cool, man. You know what I mean? That means a lot. Not, not like I don't trust other people. I get it. But I haven't met anyone. You're like, I get it. I'm cool as fuck. No, I just, I appreciate it. I, I well, I'm we've known each other for quite a while and I think I'm, I'm honored. I, that means the world to me that you would trust me in those, that space because it, it, it takes fucking vulnerability and it takes trust to go into this space. But, um, I'm going to tell you a really interesting quick story of a client. So a person I know locally approached me and she's like, Joey, I heard some really great things about you. You worked with uh, so-and-so. And I said, yeah, I said, uh, what can I help you with? She's like, well, I'm, I'm at my wits end. I said, I don't know what to do. I'm like, okay, what is it? She's like, well, I got COVID two and a half or about two years ago. And I have not been able to eat anything other than like rice, white bread, very bland foods. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Tell me more. She's like, well, everything tastes like chemicals or burnt flesh. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's odd. She's like, yeah. And there's, I'm with groups online, tens of thousands of people since COVID of having the same type of issue and she's like I, i've been acupuncture i've been to naturopaths i've had injections i've had all these things just try to get my my taste and my smell back she's like would you help me and i'm like give me give me some time so i reached out to a friend of mine and i'm like a mentor of mine i'm like i've never worked with anyone with this issue before i said what do you think she's like yeah do do a parts session on her and i think there's no reason why not i'm like yeah you're right there isn't no, there's no reason why not 
I was kind of nervous leading up to the session because I, I didn't, wasn't super confident that I could help her. Two nights before the session, I get pulled out of bed at 2 a.m. Like I'm talking by the scruff of my neck. Boom. I'm up. I'm in my bed. It's two o'clock in the morning. And all I hear is past life, trust it, just do it. I'm like, what? It's past life, trust it, go. Okay. That was the download I got from my guides, whatever, inner being, my soul, don't know. Get into the session with her. I tell her exactly what's going on. I said, I, I put her into hypnosis. I put her into trance. I guide her into past life. She was a girl in the Middle East during this lifetime or this metaphor. And she came out of the rubble, basically. And her whole village was like gassed and bombed. And all she could smell was burning flesh and this chemical residue in the air. And she was one of the only survivors in that. And there's a lot more to this lifetime that we did some work on. But as soon as we cleared that and did the work around that, she messaged me the next morning. She's like, Joey, I can't even tell you. I just had a burger for the first time in two years and it doesn't taste like flesh and burning. People don't realize that when things happen in this life, it can be a trigger to what needs to be cleared in the soul. A lifetime that wasn't cleared or healed. Often we have traumas in this life that trigger a nerve that is much deeper or happening all at once, depending on what you want to believe, right? That's actually happening in a. You know, someone reality. already said that in the comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Right. Exactly. So, and that next morning she's crying and she's like, I can't even believe what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I said, it makes sense. I said, I see this more than I can explain and I don't talk about it much but a lot of our are like and this might resonate with 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 a lot of the 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 your viewers is that or your listeners is that um how many times have you had a trigger or an emotion or something that just comes out of nowhere and you're just like I don't know why like this isn't normal for me this isn't a regular reaction to me or I don't know why this is happening sometimes it's not your childhood Sometimes it's not even in this fucking physical experience that you're feeling this. It's coming from a, a nerve that's rooted somewhere else that you're being guided and cl too clear. And it's, it happened and it was done. And so her, and now her, 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 it's getting better and better and better with her taste. And there might be different layers to that. There might be some things, but COVID for her was a trigger to what was deeper. Man. This happened two weeks ago. That's wild. Two weeks ago. And, and it was just like, okay, there's so much more to this than I even, like, I'm still, I get, I just get, I constantly get reminded on how little we understand and, but how much we can actually heal within ourselves when we go deep enough. And when we find it, when we were, when we're brave enough to fully face these things and look at it in a different way that maybe we haven't looked at it, you know? Like I said, she did acupuncture. She got injections. She got all these different things that she she did to to make this work, heal it, and uh, it was emotional, and it came from a different lifetime or a metaphor, whatever. Wow. So I kind of feel like that's speaking to when I asked a lot of people who come on the podcast since we're on universe the game. Yeah. How do they see the universe as a game? A lot of people oh. will say reincarnation as a part of that. What do you think? 
I'm I'm I got goosebumps right now because I am more just convinced that this whole experience is so much less serious than we've ever ever played and that we are just here to have the leading edge experience in creation. Yes, I think there are more maybe more beautiful places in the universe that we go to, but the human experience is like no, none other. We get all the emotions, we get all the contrast, we get all the beauty, we get to create our reality in a way that I don't think you can create it in a different realm. And but I also think that there is some seriousness when it comes to why we're here at this time and raising the collective consciousness to understand maybe love at a deeper level, but we're supposed to fucking have fun. We're supposed to have fun while we're doing this. And we've, how many of us have gone through these fucking, you know, cycles of like, Oh, I need to do more. I need to make more. It's money. It's this, it's that, it's this and that. And yes, I get it. But I realize now that the more you just allow yourself to find more joy in the just simple things like this podcast, I was so excited. My whole day is cleared. I cleared my whole day just to do this. I'm so excited to do this with Nick. The intention was to have fun. And I'm like, oh my God. And just having fun, guess, guess what? It raises your vibration. It raises your frequency. And when your frequency is high, guess what? The day just goes better. So I just feel like it's just this we just went down here. And we're like, hey, here's my list of what I want to kind of experience as a human this time around. Okay, cool. Check. Maybe it's a Porsche. Okay, cool. Check. Maybe it's jumping <laughs> out of a plane. Okay, cool. Check. Maybe it is material stuff. Maybe it is just starting a nonprofit. Maybe it is all the things. But we limit ourselves as we kind of go through conditioning and blah, blah, blah. But we are naturally supposed to have the desires we have. The desires we have are like road signs. This is what you want. Go, 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 go create it. Go make it. Go do it. I think it's just this big fucking playground. And when we go on the other side, back to wherever that is, we're just going to go, why did I take that damn seriously again? It's <laughs> my 75th time taking it too damn seriously. But yeah, I think it's just this. Yeah. And then, and I think reincarnation, we go back, we, we have different mission. We have a different purpose. We've learned this lesson in that life. It's like, okay, we can bring that new knowledge into this life. And how can we, serve and help and experience and i don't know i think it's just a big game i think it's and i think we're all going to realize we took it way too damn seriously while we were here hopefully not all of us take it too seriously hopefully there's some of us yeah who can enjoy it while we're here and i think that's what i try to relay in my videos too yeah you know and i think that i see that in your content you know taking it less serious well, relax you can still enjoy and do the work. How do you how do you balance that? Yeah. That's I always if I look at the last let's let's just say four years of being online or three year three and a half years of being online and doing the, that thing that way. Every time I have found myself in the most abundance, let's say, business is going well, my relationships are firing, you know, where they should be. I'm not grinding. I'm not trying harder. I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm 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 riding my bike more. I'm hitting golf balls at the range more. I'm exercising. The golf. <laughs> I'm 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 eating good food. I'm allowing myself to eat really good food and I'm I'm with my kids and I'm not stressing. But as soon as I get into the overwhelm, I think you and I went into a big overwhelm patch there because I that 
not fun. And when you get overwhelmed, you're you're in you're here and you're trying to figure everything out. All while your connection to God's source is already putting the things together. Your conscious mind part is supposed to just be present and finding the joy of just where you are no matter where you are. And when you do that and cons- cons- you know consistently find your way back to that that okay, what's my better feeling thought in this moment? What can I really focus on that just eases this tension when you get good at that that's when the creative flow happens and then then you get that inspired inspiration and then when you want to do stuff when you have to work it, it feels fun it lights you up you 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 actually serve much better than when you were grinding till four in the morning trying to get something done to prove to yourself that you're worthy or that you're enough now because you grinded it out i'm i always find myself in more abundance in life on all aspects when I'm allowing myself simple joys on a more consistent basis. For someone who feels like they have no joy in their life, how would they start to even find that? They might feel so disconnected from even joy. You know, Easy. For me, it's easy. Look back at what you used to love. There's a time in your life, whether it was this small or that big, whether you were 15 and you used to hit golf balls, or maybe it's 15 and you rode horses, or maybe you were 16 and you, and you, you played baseball in the streets, soccer. I don't know. There's something that you used to do that brought you joy. Just because you're an adult or older now does not mean that that will not light a fire in you again. It could be picking a guitar, picking the guitar up that you haven't picked up in 10 years because, Oh, you know, I don't play guitar anymore. Oh, it used to be fun, but no, no, you know, no, I've, Go pick it up again, but give yourself the opportunity to go find out. And if it's nothing of those things from the past, maybe you've outgrown them and you don't like them. I guarantee you there is at least five to 10 things that you've thought of trying over the last few years, but you've convinced yourself you're too old. It's too much money. It's too this. It's too that. I'm, you know, you can have those. Go try them. I like trying all the things, man. I <laughs> I want to jump out of a plane. I want to hit golf balls. I want to dirt bike in the mountains. I want to, you know, I like, I want to try all this stuff. Generator life. Yeah. Generator life for sure. For <laughs> sure, man. We're both generators. Yeah. We, I'm a manifesting generator. So three, five. What about you though? When it comes to joy, like what do you, what's your advice to people? Because. Yeah. So first I just want to say, I want to sing generator. I'm referring to human design mm-hmm. for people that don't know. Um, it's very similar for me. I had to come to terms with, if I am going to do this full time, I need to enjoy it yep. and I need to even enjoy the editing. So many mm. people hate the editing. And for so long I was like, Oh, you can't wait till I have an editor. And then I'm like, you know what? Can I find a way to find the beauty in this, to find Ooh. how it's going to help me even in the parts that I didn't enjoy that's what it's been about for me because you know i'm pretty hermit mode in the sense right now i'm i'm in phoenix i'm in an airbnb it's hot as hell i'm just like dialed in and so i'm not doing a bunch of extraneous activities besides you know i go to the driving range and hit some balls and that's really fun but for me it was finding how what i do daily i can enjoy all of it. I can find it's so stupid, but it can be like a spiritual mm, that's experience. So powerful, dude. It can be like a spiritual experience to wake the fuck up and look at the sun, and just lo- and just oh, yeah. fucking 100%. look at it. And oh yeah, 
it's so interesting how people just take that for granted. And I, I really for a long time struggled with gratitude, but now I like can go out and I can look at the sun and I can be like, holy shit, I have another fucking day. You know, Dude. what if, cause what if it ended yesterday and I never really did what I wanted to do? I still have another shot. And so if that's consistently on my mind that how am I going to spend these days knowing that eventually I won't have them anymore? Having that fire in my ass, it, it really makes me feel like I don't need to take it to the stoic level of I'm always thinking about death, but I also know that I don't know. So I'm going to take it to the best experience that I can have in my practical everyday life. And that's all the fu- that's all I can do. You know? That, yep. That, that's about as... When, when you get to that level of understanding, that's a dangerous place. Like a really good... Like in a, When I say dangerous, that's like your ability to tap into the sun and being appreciative of that fucking moment is... Well, isn't that when the story comes in? It's like, oh, I'm going to go listen to the sun. Oh, this is dumb. It's just the sun. And then you can get into that head, that headspace. But the reality is when you really fucking quiet the mind and you allow that sun to be on your skin and you allow yourself to just feel the peace and quiet of that morning and the bird just singing in the distance and you're connecting to the now at a whole other level, that's when gratitude takes on a different level of, of power. It's not the fucking money in the house or the Airbnb you're in. Yeah, there's gratitude to that. But it's when you can break it down to the simple things that we always overlook, your, your heart expands past your whole, it, it, it just expands so much. Exactly. Like this morning I was outside and, and I was like, I kind of want to just go on my phone and tell people like, I hope you can experience this level of yes. joy. Yes. Not because I have something, yes. but because of how you perceive life. Mm-hmm. Because the problem was mm-hmm. for me is I always was looking for the next thing Yep. so that I could feel a certain way. And you know what that was for me was I've always wanted to live out of a truck and a camper. And I remember when I was living out of the rooftop tent, I was like, fuck, I just want to be, I knew the truck and camper was so far away. I wanted to just be in an Airbnb. And then I got to the Airbnb and I was like, fuck, man, I just really want to be not with these bitch ass neighbors with their death metal music. <laughs> right. There's I, all, yeah. <laughs> and there's yep. always some fucking thing that I was yep. complaining about. I remember there's yep. this time my girlfriend told me, man, there's a problem at every Airbnb for you, isn't there? And I was like, wow. You know what? I needed that wake up call. I needed that. Yeah. You know? And, you know, we're not getting extravagant Airbnbs. You know, I'm, no. I'm, we're getting, you know, just a, a nice place that, you I know, you it. can tell by the, it's not like I'm in a fucking modern $10,000 a month place, you know. So I noticed how much I used excuses of this wasn't good enough mm. to block myself mm. from being creative, which would ironically give me the thing that I wanted all along. Because when I'm creative, and I'm in that state of joy. That's that's what I'm basing a lot of my stuff on now. It's like, why do things not happen for people that try manifestation? It's because we're looking at it like we want to get something. Yep. And we're not just feeling good because no, that's actually who we actually can be if we want to be. And I think that at the core is so s- stupid to some people, but yep. yet it's the fucking truth, man. Well, oh. yeah. Mo- mo- most of us in the manifestation journey goes, once I get the manifestation, I will be happy and the vibration will be better. 
But the reality is you need to find the vibration of joy and accept it and, and, and abundance now in order for that manifestation to come in. We got it swapped. And what does Eckhart Tolle say? The, the future, like when we have ourselves projecting into the future like that, or even the anxiety about the future, we're literally saying that the next moment is more important than life itself. Life itself is always now. There is no other way to put it. So, but when oh, the next Airbnb, the next ticket, the next whatever, and we're totally disconnecting from everything that is just right here now. That's life itself right here. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I have spent so much time wasted on shit that didn't matter. And you know, the funny oh. part is, is that when you get to that level where you realize that you just want to feel good because it feels good to feel good. It feels good to feel good. Yes. Then you realize that even if these things don't happen, your life's still good. <laughs> it, and, and that's just it. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting more. And that's another thing I want to, I want to really stress on. Like, you know, a lot of us, like we, we want to manifest, but then when we catch ourselves wanting to want more, we're like, Oh, I shouldn't want more. I should be grateful. You can be grateful and want more. Just tune yourself into the now and understand like, wow, look at the sun today. Look at the temperature today. Look at look at where I'm at. Look how far I've come. Be here and know that more is coming. And the more will come a lot faster when you just tune in your tune into the fact that this is beautiful. This this already is a manifestation. You're, you're always living a manifestation. And when you find the joy in all of it, all those other pieces just naturally come to you. you. That's why your days go so beautifully when you're in the flow. It's because usually you're in the flow because what? You're feeling appreciation. That's mm-hmm. about it. You're feeling appreciation for everything. It might be your girl. It might be the food you're eating. It might be just taking that extra time to really savor a, a bite of, of your burger or your fruit that you got that day that's in season is just extra sweet today. Like just going, oh, like just that alone, your vibration rises. The universe has no choice but to bring you more of the good stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I definitely couldn't say that you shouldn't want more because that's like what I, what I, I have some of the biggest dreams out there. Same. And um, they're becoming reality. They're not even dreams anymore, which is interesting in Uh itself. But there are still things, you know? So for me, how something that really helped me was I'm actually just going to go into a deep meditation. I'm going to do this one time, just one time. I'm going to connect to the universal intelligence, whatever you call mm-hmm. it. Yep. And I'm, and I'm going to really tap in from my heart and connect and have a conversation and set an intention. And then I set that intention so deeply that I say, all right, universe is so intelligent. It knows what yep. I want. Yes. I don't need to think about it anymore. Nope. I just need to do what I need to do that I can physically do, and that's it. Yep. And then if I can find satisfaction in doing those things and just like, hey, the rest is good, then life doesn't have to be difficult because I don't think about how it needs to get done all Bingo. the time. It's just it's going to happen, but I don't need to worry about it. So that's why I'm like, yes, we need to also understand that we don't need to suppress our desires. We can still go for the things but we also have to understand what kind of desire is it because there are certain desires that i think are come more from the ego so sure 
then we have to find out that nuance of why, back to the why, why am I actually wanting this? Mm-hmm. What is the true reason? Mm-hmm. Is it just out of insecurity? Do I mm-hmm. want a nice car so that the next time I go on a date, the right. girl will think I'm right. fucking right. awesome? Right, because you know? that's coming from a state of lack anyway, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's, what, that's why I think a lot of manifestation doesn't work because people don't even realize that the desires that they want are based in insecurity or mm. some sort of fear. Mm. Mm. And if we take a look at our desires and realize that some of them are the desires that we really came here, as you said, to do, to experience. Yes. And that those can be physical things too. Yes. But what is the root of it? You know? Well, this reminds me of one of my favorite stories. I just started reading some of Esther Hicks stuff again. I hadn't read in years and years. And I just, I got lit up by it again. And I'm reading one of the books. I can't remember which one it's called. I think it's Money and the Law of Attraction. But she writes a story about her when she first started channeling Abraham. If you're not familiar with Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks is a channel of Abraham. She's everywhere. Many of you already know who she is. And, but she's talking about one of the days, I think it's, uh, she was living in Texas and she's, I think she's going to close the gate after her husband left. And and it was really dry. And all the weathermen around the the area were saying drought is imminent, imminent and it's going to be a very dry next few weeks and everything's dying and blah, blah, blah. And, and she said, you know, she's talking to Abraham. She's like, Abraham, it'd be really nice to get some rain. And what she got in return was, oh, yeah, like we're going to bring you the rain from this state of lack, this this, this energy of, of not having enough. She's like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, tell me why you want the rain. And she goes, okay. She's like, well, I really love some rain because, you know, the trees would get the water they need and all the plants would be refreshed and everything would turn green. And when I see that, it, it brings it brings me this joy in my heart and, and all the birds would be able to drink from the fresh water. And, and she went on this little tangent for about two, three minutes and they're like, ah, see, now you get rain. And I was like, oh, it's because of what it brings to everything, to yourself, what it makes you feel. It's this feeling of abundance when you're talking about it. It's like when you're creating, what is, what is, okay, let's say it's the the Porsche. We'll bring it to the Porsche. For me, the Porsche is my dream car. The, the 911 has been iconic in my mind forever. Why do I want the Porsche? I don't want the Porsche because I'm like, yo, motherfucker, see, I got this Porsche now. Look at me. <laughs> me, I know what the Porsche feels like. I know the sound of that engine. I know what the flat six sounds like. I want the experience of feeling that German engineering on a twisty road in the mountains here in BC. I want to feel it underneath. I want it in my, I want to feel the roar of the engine while I'm going through the mountains because I, I know I would just, oh, that's why I want the Porsche. Maybe the Porsche would be mine for six months and I'd sell it. But I want the Porsche because of what it's going to, the experience it's going to give me. I think that, and that's not just look at me, Porsche. That's, ah, this is for me, Porsche. That's a difference. I don't think people, difference. people won't even realize the difference. I think some people won't, but there is actually yeah. a big difference in those two. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's coming from a place of what it's going to, what, what, what does it make you feel? What does it bring you? Can you do things that you enjoy doing. Yes. Right. It, it, that's the thing. It's like, I'm doing this because it brings me a sense of joy, a sense of fulfillment, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's physical, that's that's fine. But if it comes from, oh well, I need it because of the perception of someone right. else. Yep. That's just one way. It could be many yep. different things sure. too. So, yeah, these little nuances I think do really matter. Oh, they they really do, and that basically comes from state of abundance or state of lack. Like 
it's it's that it's a whole different vibration altogether when it comes to why you want it. Um, yeah, man, it's it's fucking it's so much fun. This whole creation game is fun, and like like you said, a lot of your dreams are actually coming into fruition right now, physically manifesting in your reality with stuff you only had here and here. Oof. For me, it's the truck. What's, what's, what's the truck? What's the truck of choice? So I've always just wanted to hear that fucking diesel engine just getting it, man. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, want it, I want that for the pure joy of having the freedom to tow behind me my home. And Hearing those come, turbos whistle. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. can use it to tow my home and yeah. go right to you. Yeah. And we can do a podcast outside. Yeah. Yep. And how fucking sick would it be to just be in the sunshine, just filming a podcast in beautiful weather? How sick weather. will it be? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you got man. me there. Fuck. How sick will it be? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and that's the stuff. Like, just the joy it brings you. That's enough, people. That's enough for you to want something. And just be aware Be aware of the old story of dad saying, oh, you're not this, you're not that. Or mom saying "We're not, money doesn't grow on. It's all these old beliefs from childhood. We don't need that. You don't need that. That's what it that's, was for that's, me. That's, that's egotist or that's too, that's your ego. Or maybe that's too flashy. You don't want to be, you don't want to be known as the person that has that stuff, you know? More money, so, more problems. Yeah. And, and those are all limiting factors. And it's, all it is is resistance to what is naturally coming to you. There's a reason it lights you up because your soul wants this experience. Let it happen. Manifestation doesn't happen for most people because we get in our own way. That's it. It's not because it's not trying to come to us. It is. It's about allowing it in. And allowing it in sometimes is just allowing yourself to fine-tune yourself to more joy of what already is. That's fucking it, man. (laughs) That's it. Oh, shit. Okay. It is. I feel like that's actually a beautiful place to wrap it up for today. I have one more question for you. Yeah, man. If you finally got that Porsche and, you know, yeah. you said you believe in aliens and you know yes. what? They were like, all right, bro, you're going to jump this Porsche right off this bridge. And I swear to God, we're going to fucking, <laughs> we're going to fucking Mission Impossible. You real right. fast and furious. Right. You're going to land it right in our ship and you're done. And that's it. And you realize, oh shit, that's good. I'm getting that Porsche today. No shot. I'm going to, after this conversation, no. Okay. Well, then, if you realize, okay, this is the last time that I'm going to be able to ever have a, anything to say to humanity, what do you think would be the important message that comes to you off the top of your head? What's this, what it right now in this moment is the message that you'd leave them with? I, I think I just said it. I Honestly, I want people to understand that we're allowed to create what we want, that, that we're allowed to be happy. And you can be it now. You can find more joy now. You just, I think that's, that's it. I don't even want to go more in depth on that. Find the joy now and watch what happens. Get really fucking good at finding the joy now, right where you are and pivoting when the thoughts come in and just going back to that. You consistently look for those things and you will get more and more of it. No matter where you are. The world is not responding, but the universe is not responding to what is. It's responding to your vibration and what you're sending out. It's not your condition. It's what you're sending out at every moment. So when you get really good at choosing gratitude and love, it will do nothing but give you more of that. That's why someone who's complained for 20 years has never complained himself out of it. 
You'll never complain yourself into a better life. It just does not happen. It's never happened and never will happen. But if you choose gratitude and appreciation here now, right now, you will see within a week, if you get good at that, how things start to shift. It's that quick. Boom. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, man. It's always so much fun to connect with you, bro. You're doing such great things and I'm just so proud of you and excited for you and where you're going. And I just love, fuck, you're, 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 yeah, just good work, man. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Universe the Game. If you want to support the podcast, consider checking out our sponsor for today's podcast, which is the clothing line, as I mentioned before, Universe the Game Clothing. You can get that in the description. Every little bit helps if you want to donate in a one-time donation. That is available in the description as well. Thank you very much for your support. It truly means so much to me. And that'll do it for today's episode. We'll see you in the next one. And until then, peace.